You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes Podcast. I'm with my co-host, the beautiful, the glorious, the smart, the, I mean, all of the adjectives that I could even think that would be positive, Matt Shiles. Did you plan that or did no, that it just, just came off it your just head? It came that's, off my head. You, thank you. Know, you. Extemporaneous. Thank, well, that's a big word. That is a big <laughs> word. So, yeah. Thanks for that intro. Uh, great to be here. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's just right around the corner. It is. Hard to believe. Yes. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? Well, that's that's <laughs> that would be a no. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee does a great job of doing a lot of the shopping. Amen. We we talk a lot about the the gifts and then she does the shopping. So, I'm pretty much what I have to purchase is pretty much just for her. Oh, nice. Well, see, that's kind of the way it happens in the Laxton family. Okay. Joni, she takes care of all of the shopping for the kids, although I actually bought something on Amazon for the kids. Okay. And it came in, and I told Joni, I said, will you wrap it? She's like, well, you bought it. <laughs> I was like, well, but you're a great, <laughs> but you're a great rapper, <laughs> and I'm not. And so, anyways, I think she's going to graciously wrap that gift that I got for the kids. That's great. Yes. So on Christmas Eve, um, a couple years ago, we, we I tried to start this tradition where Kaylee and I, we have a bunch of gifts to wrap and we have, you know, gifts for each other to wrap. Right. Well, you know, Christmas Eve, you don't want to spend an hour or two away from each other, right? So what we did was we, we sat back to back. We put Die Hard on. Oh. Trying to make this a tradition. We put Die Hard on. Which is not a Christmas movie. It's a but- Christmas movie if you watch it. You know, Christmas Eve, and we wrapped. So we were in the same room. We didn't see what we were wrapping. So I, I think that's a fun thing. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. that that that's a good tradition. It's a great way to spend just, time uh, together. Well, I remember, I remember years ago, we may or may not have gotten into a fight on Christmas Eve about putting something together for one of the kids. <laughs> so we ceased doing things like that on Christmas Eve. Oh, you do it before? Okay. Well, yeah. she does it before. I just I'm there for moral support. <laughs> So that, that, I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, which is why, again, extra takes would be a great way to learn more about the dysfunction in the Laxton family. And after 19 years of marriage? 19 years of you, marriage. You learn. Yeah, you learn what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So that yeah, does Let's not do work. this so, separate. That's so great. on Christmas Eve, what we actually do is after the Christmas Eve gathering, we always go out to eat somewhere. Oh, okay. So if you want to share with me where we should go out to eat, we have not made our reservation. We've actually been calling the places that we want to go to eat, yeah. but they don't take reservations. And we're like, well, we, we really need reservations. Yeah. So okay. anyways, if you have any suggestions out there in the podcast world where the Laxtons can go eat on Christmas Eve, please do tell. Great. So let's dive in. Absolutely. Let's do it. So simple Christmas. This is simple sign to a world of wonder. To the world of wonder. I know that I'm, I may have confused people behind the scenes because my title may have read that but in my in my actual notes it's the world of wonder and I've made sure that I I I put the as the definite article. You know what you're so right and the main point I have it under the because I know you made that a big point. So yep. Yep. thanks for correcting that. The world of wonder. 
December 10th and 11th, and we were in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And yeah, the main point was Christmas is the simple sign pointing to the world of wonder. And we had uh, three questions and three answers. Uh, First question was, why do the wise men leave? And that was the wonder of the star. Second is, where do they go? And that was the wonder of the scriptures point the way. And the third is, who do they see and what do they do? That's the wonder of the sovereign. Um, So first off, I have a very serious question to ask you. Why are you trying to ruin our traditions? Because you talked about the nativity and you're you're messing us all up. Yeah, that's that's not me. I mean – I've actually had people ruin it for me years ago. Yeah. So I figured it is such a, a fun little thing to, to mess with people with. Yeah. So it was funny because I've, I've ceased, to, you know, t- touching the wise men. But when I went home this weekend, our oldest, he went and got the nativity set and the wise men, and he put them in front of the TV. And the TV, again, I think on the podcast I've, I've shared how I have the TV in the formal living room for me. So I was sitting there watching football, and he puts the the little wise men. But but they covered up the score. I couldn't see the score anymore. So I'm like, bro, you gotta you got to move those somewhere else, man. So but he, he so he messaged Joe, and he started telling him um, in, in, in a very emphatic way, move the wise men back. So that's why I stopped touching the wise men. So it's funny because my nieces and nephews did that years ago. Okay. So I so I've heard that. So I just thought, man, he's just he's just trying to mess us up. Yeah. Um, little fun way. It's a it's a fun way. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a stickler. So if you leave the wise men together in your front yard, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, you know, you'll still make it to heaven. I'm just. <laughs> Again, you don't make it to heaven based upon your works of whether or not you put the wise men there or remove the wise men. So yeah. you just be very clear. So you are right. So I do want to commend you because you talked about Christmas Vacation. Yes. One of the best Christmas movies. Definitely in the top five. There you go. Of all time. The Wonder of Christmas. And uh, you talked about it's more about the presence of family than all of the things you would do. And um, and it struck me the way you were describing um, Clark Griswold, who was really searching in that movie. And um, and I thought that was a great connection to this week um, because of the wise men, this idea of of searching. So we're really going to dig into that. Um, so we'll start with that first point, why do they leave, the wonder of the star. Um, something that stood out to me was this idea of the caravan. You helped, hey, it's it's probably not just three people, right? There's three gifts, we three kings, we can kind of get into this this idea that there's just three, yeah. and uh, there's probably a whole caravan, which really helps to set the stage of um, why Herod was so shocked and amazed and yeah. that well, whole Could thing. you imagine, I mean, that caravan traveling over 800 miles and people seeing this along the way? Where, where are you going? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we saw a star. I mean, yeah. again, the entire journey. I mean, they would have been very noticeable yeah. in that region because of just how large the caravan would have been. I mean, because again, it, you, if you just had just a handful of people, yeah. I mean, you have you you have bandits, you have thieves. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's it was dangerous to travel, yeah. and so here they are. They are they are traveling. And I looked it up. Uh, from here to DC is just over eight hundred miles. Wow. Um, so that's that's how far. That's how dedicated they were. 
Well, and I'm, I'm I'm pulling out my calculator because all right. So you have 800 miles divided by 20. So because they might could have traveled 20 miles a day, pr- probably not. It may have been more so like 10, 15 miles a day. Yeah. But that's still four, you know, 40 days. Even if they were able to travel 20 miles a day, yeah. and so it, it's going to take them a while. So when did they see the star? We don't know. That's what Herod was trying to ascertain. Which is why when when you look at the period of time that they saw the star and got there, uh, we, we know it's somewhere between the birth of Jesus and him being two years, just because of what. Herod did. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you said that, you know, why did they leave? They longed for a new king and a new kingdom. Um, and, and you connected that to us, right? We long for a better world, a better ruler, a better leader. And that C.S. Lewis quote stuck out to me. You said, if I find in myself desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So how can this help us relate to those that are searching, specifically this time of year? Yeah. I I mean, this is where I would say, like, apologetics plays a huge role in this, and apologetics in a different way. You're getting people to, in some sense, answer their own questions, meaning, why is the world the way it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and being able to be discontent with the world, yeah. And because here, here, and this is why I always go back to the Enlightenment. So the Enlightenment period in the 1700s and 1800s, and then even up until modernity, and now post-modernity and post-post-modernity, the Enlightenment era, these these leaders thought that they could could bring about a utopia. They thought mm-hmm. they could rid the world of all of the societal ills mm-hmm. and wars and all of the problems of humanity. Mm-hmm. And sure, it, it helped increase the life expectancy, and sure, it did help in some ways, but it also brought about even more problems and more complexities. I mean, without the Enlightenment, you don't get the atomic bomb. Without the Enlightenment, you don't get all the machinery of war. I mean, so so in some sense, while it did solve some issues, it also created larger issues on a world scale. And so they didn't – that's the reason why, you know, in, in, in post-modernity, they rejected modernity, which was built upon enlightenment because it really didn't solve the deeper issues that human beings face. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to this this idea of, uh, of of even connecting with people today, why – you know, what what – are you longing for? And why are you longing for that? And then to be able to figure out what it is that they're longing for and why and really begin to answer that what Christmas time is all about is how the cosmic king broke into time and space to ultimately do the very thing that you long for. Yeah. You long for health? I promise you that's one of the things that Jesus promises us mm. in the new city, that there will be an eradication of disease and sickness. Mm. Uh, you long to see your loved ones uh, again. Well, name those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, you will you will see that loved one again in the new city. You long for a you long for a place and an environment where there's no division, where there's where there's no racism, where there's no theft, where there's no violence, where you don't have to worry about some business person exploiting you. Like, listen, in the new city, this is what Jesus has come to bring. So, I, again, what you're trying to do is asking the question: Okay, what are you longing for? Now, why are you longing? 
looking for that. And then to show how the ushering in of God's kingdom via the king, King Jesus, actually mm. speaks to the longings of your heart. So that's how it can relate to those. Who, what are you searching for? Yeah. Why are you searching for it? Yeah. And then your search can end when you find Jesus being your king. Yeah, amen. And and you asked us a couple of questions. Are you unsettled with the world that is? And do you long for another world? Um, yeah, let me let, let me speak to that for, for a second, because this is where I, I feel like and again, I'm not against the American dream. Like, so I, I want I want to be able to say that once again. I'm not against the American dream, but this American dream it communicates that we can make something of this world, which we can. But in doing so, many many Americans get it in get it in their head and their mentality. This is what we're living for. Yeah. And so, and they spend all of their life, or they they spend all of their energy trying to create home and their kingdom here. And and and, and again, I'm all for creating a better place. Hmm. But at the end of the day, on this side of heaven, we are not going to experience the place we were made for. And so that's where we just have to be careful as believers while let's work for the common good. Let's work to make a, a better world and a better America for our kids and even for the world. At the very end of the day, it's still flawed uh, because it's still marred by sin. And that's the reason why Jesus came. He came to die for sinners so that he could institute a better kingdom, a more righteous kingdom, mm-hmm. a flourishing kingdom. And so let, let's not try to work our way to creating that which we cannot create, but only Christ can. Hmm. And, and I think this is really why slowing down this season is so important because we, you know, are we pointing the world to the world of wonder? We can't if we are um, so consumed with yeah. what you were If we're thinking about. that we can create a world of wonder, yeah. then we'll never point people to the true world of wonder. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, and that's part of what what, cre- like, what we do, and that's why it's so important to connect everything that we do mm-hmm. to the inbreaking of God's kingdom and Jesus' lordship. Because we, in working for the common good here and even working to make a better world here, we're ultimately foreshadowing, we're ultimately reflecting the world that Jesus came to bring. So, so let's not disconnect the two, but that's where I feel like you know uh, an American dream. It re- you know it really is about Christ's dream, and so we are bringing heaven to earth. Yeah. And so this just makes sure that everything that we do and how we relate to others and how we w- would be kind and loving to others and why we would work, how we would work, what we would do in our work, make sure it's all connected to the inbreaking kingdom of God. And you say again, what is that kingdom? And I know that I've only been here nine months, but I'm pretty big on the kingdom of God, and I've and and it almost I don't want to say it makes an appearance in in, in every message, but but definitely you, you know one out of two messages the kingdom is going to make an appearance yeah. because that because that's what Jesus came to usher in this this kingdom, and so therefore everything that we do is connected to the King and the kingdom that He is ushered in, and will one day fully usher in in in, in all of its glory. So that's where we just want to make sure, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why I said at the very end, and I think I said this in the 9 and the 11, but I know I said it in the 11, is what's the sign that God uses today to point people to the world of wonder? And the most important sign that he uses today is a is, is his church. 
And I would even clarify to say it is his saved church because you might can attend church and not be saved. And there are a lot of churches out there. They have church on their sign, but they are not acting as the church. Hmm. And so so that's why like the, the, the sanctified church hmm. is the sign that God uses to point people to the world of wonder. Yeah. And and as we think about you know December this being a time of preparation, it is uh it is interesting to think about Christmas Eve, um, our Christmas Eve gatherings the twenty third and twenty fourth. We will have many um, non believers, many nominal Christians that will be here. But but at this point, um, you know December tenth and eleventh, midway through December, um, primarily I know there's always a percentage, but primarily this is. This is the church people that are in the you know in the pews and certainly listening to this podcast. So um, I know it can be important for us to think about. Um, okay, th- this is a great message for non-believers, but for believers, right? Why is it so important for us to slow down? Is because um, we we are meant to be set apart and we are meant to um, point to the world of wonder, and we can't do that if we're so busy. Amen. You said it well. I have nothing to add. See, all those adjectives I said about you at the very beginning, so true. <laughs> um, I think we I think we hit another first in the podcast. Look at that, nothing to add. <laughs> nothing to add. <laughs> so, um, so let's move on. Um, we're just going to close the podcast now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Take let's... up an offering. <laughs> Logan. <laughs> Pastor Gus is going to come with his hat. No. Um, so the second point, where do they go? The wonder of the scriptures point the way. Um, you talked about Jesus as you said you can't have Jesus as Savior if you don't declare Him as Lord. Mm. Uh, focus on both His love and His lordship. We can't have one without the other. Can you talk more about this? They are they are different, but they're both necessary. Yeah, and this has been a debate going on in the church. For several decades, I've not seen it as much in recent days, but I think we need to bring it back up to the forefront because mm-hmm. I think the the shift that I'm seeing right now is people want to concentrate on Jesus's love, yeah, but not his lordship. But again, you you, you cannot receive his love without receiving his lordship. Mm-hmm. His his love for you is because he also wants you to be under him as Lord. And so so that's why I feel like we need to recover this conversation once again. And here's the difference. So Savior, think about think about a hero. And so we love the stories of heroes. We love the Avengers. We love Marvel. And we love the DC Comets and Batman and Superman. These are heroes. And what do they do? Heroes save the day. But you don't see any of these movies or these stories or these comics depicting that the Savior is then worshipped. Like the hero is not worshipped. The mm. the hero comes in, swoops in, saves the day so the humans don't have to die, and then the humans get to continue living their life. Yay, thank you for saving us. Mm-hmm. But it's not worshipping mm. them. Mm. And see, with Jesus, and I think, again, in, in our modern mindset, we can read into him being our Savior. He saves us from our sins, and we get to just continue living our life as normal. Right. That is not what the Bible teaches mm. at all. Mm. Because that's why I go back always to Genesis, go figure. 
But when, G- when God created mankind in his image, it was for them to live under his lordship, to reflect who he was in all spheres of life. Hmm. And so by their rejection, they mar, you know, they, they distorted the image of God in their life and on their life. But now God is going to save, and part of that salvation is redeeming and reconciling. Hmm. And the reconciliation, the restoring of the relationship between God and man is bringing them back under his authority, Mm. bringing them back under his lordship and kingship. Mm. Like again, like if you look at even how the Babylonians would have ever known about the prophecies, it was actually because of this, the disobedience of God's people. Mm -hmm. So they did not live under his authority. And as a result, they faced the consequences. They had to, they had to own up to it. Uh, But just notice how God is missional, even in rebuking and disciplining his children, is that even in captivity, God is going to go to work to make sure that the Gentiles here about not only the salvation he's going to bring, but the kingdom he's ushering in with the salvation. Hmm. Because again, it was in Daniel that he's going to outline, hey, it's not just a king that's coming, hmm. uh, but the king is instituting his kingdom for all nations. And so that that's why this, this conversation, you know, Jesus being Savior and Lord is so important. Hmm. Is that they are they are the, the the two sides of the same coin. Jesus is Savior and Lord. You cannot bifurcate those things. Mm-hmm. Another big word, bifurcate. Yeah, I love so that. divorce, divorce, yeah, separate, yeah. Um, oh, I think that's so so good. It, we we do that without realizing we're doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we, we I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. And this is why I love kind of. Picking on Herod and then the religious leaders and then also showing what the wise men did is that if you really want to know where you stand on this, are you indignant when someone sits there and tells you that Jesus is supposed to be your Lord too? Because I've seen people in the church do it all the time is that, yeah, I'll I'll claim Jesus. Here's the, the only person that would have a problem with lordship salvation is those who want who want to do their own thing. Like, I want to live my own life. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I love Jesus, and he loves me. But you know what? I don't want him to touch this thing, whatever that thing is. And so so if you just want to know, if you have a problem with it, you'll be indignant when, when somebody brings up the lordship of Jesus. And then indifferent, like, again, uh, th- this indifference is just apathetic. Like, you, so you just don't even love the things of God. You know about the things of God. Mm. You even know God. Mm. But you are apathetic to the things of God. Mm. And see, these are the religious leaders. And they had so conditioned their life to knowing about God, but then actually crafting their own religion. Mm. Because, again, these are the people that they are the ones crafting additional rules, additional laws mm. that they're keeping to show how spiritual they are. Yeah. But they're ap- so here's the thing. They're passionate about their own rules, their own laws, their own religion that they have crafted. They are apathetic to what God truly desires. Mm. That's why Jesus calls them a whitewashed tomb. He's like, "Man, you guys look so great on the outside." Because everybody sees what's on the outside. They also hear what you have to say. They hear your intellect and how you've memorized the Bible. But your hearts are such 
a whitewashed tomb mm. because they're dead. Because you don't love the things of God. Your lips might praise him, but your heart is far from him. Mm. And so that's where we see this. I mean, uh, good night. They didn't even. They don't even care enough to even follow the wise men. I'm thinking it's yeah. only a six mile journey, guys. Only yeah. six miles. Yeah. And, and you're not even. You're not even inquisitive enough to even see if th- th- there's any remote truth to this. And then you have these pagan Gentiles show up, the so-called people of God, where they're willing to travel such a distance because they saw a star mm. and they get there. And then they go even further and go, we've come this far, and they're, they're, they're constantly being led. I mean, again, if you think about who the scriptures were written, written to first, God's yeah. people. Yeah. God's people are not even following the scriptures, mm. but yet these pagan Gentiles, mm. they follow the scriptures, and the scriptures will always point you to Jesus. And that's why, so think about it this way. If you want to know if you truly are following Jesus, not only will you be in the scriptures, but by being in the scriptures, you'll be transformed more into the image of Jesus. God uses the scriptures. Mm. God uses the lordship of Jesus mm. to craft us more into his image. And so that's how you know. And so the so the inquis you know. And so I, I love bringing back old school things, right? So the what would Jesus do bracelet. Yeah. I mean that is a, that is an inquisitive, obviously question. I mean that's the same thing, in- inquisitive. Like you're asking questions, you're you're searching for what would Jesus do. Mm-hmm. And so in every realm of life, how would Jesus do this? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus live? How would Jesus respond? All of those things, all of those answers are found in the scriptures. Mm. How would Jesus give? How would Jesus attend church? Mm. What would Jesus think about church? I mean, there's, I mean, again, I mean, you just rattle off the list. But again, that's the Inquisition. Mm. Mm. And the scriptures will always point you to the world of wonder. And you did that this weekend from Genesis to Malachi. You did the Old Testament where... Every single book points to Jesus. Every single book points to Jesus, and I did take that. I borrowed that, and I and I did, I did tweak some of the the books, and we'll actually be putting the link of that resource in the podcast Great. notes. So for all of those who came up and asked me, "Hey, I want that list." The list will be embedded in the podcast notes. And you're going to want to look at that link because it is uh, it is very helpful. Yeah. It goes into a lot of detail um, for each book. So you, you could use that um, for, for Bible study with a group. You could use that for your own personal study. So um, so I wanted to make sure we mentioned that because that was, um, you know, you, you talk about the intentionality of, of taking time in sermons to do s- certain things. And I think that that was... Um, that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, some of us have probably heard variations of that before, but that never gets old. <laughs> it never does. And you know, and and I would say a lot of people probably would take that out of their their message. But I, but I'm like, and I've heard some other you know some some other pastors you know insert that. I think it's just helpful because you're sitting there really trying to connect the dots to every book of the Bible. I mean, I, I listened to, you know, this was a while back, a pastor, but he went through all 66 books. I mean, so so it does take a little bit of time, but just even drill down on, once again, what Northland believes about the Bible. Because we, it, it, it I mean, I, it's not that it seems, I mean, this is research coming out. 
that you know one in four evangelical, so conservative orthodox people that would be labeled as evangelicals are saying that that they don't believe that the Bible is true. If we again we will lose what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus if we do not uphold to the scriptures as being the revealed word of God. And so when I list it, you know, when I when I list out what God's word is, so a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, that Psalm 119, will not return void, but will accomplish what God desires. Isaiah 55, powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's Hebrews 4. Uh, God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. That's 2 Thessalonians, uh, or 2 Timothy chapter 5. And then you have sanctifying and cleansing, John 17. Protective, which is Matthew 4, Ephesians 6. And then essential and feeling, that's Deuteronomy, and that's Matthew 4. And so, um, and then without error, you go back to it's God-breathed. And if it's God-breathed, God, he has no mixture of error in him. And so, so those are all of the passages that speak to the list that I rattled off there at the very end of that Point and um, so it's so it's so important that we do not lose God's word being authoritative in our life. Amen. And that last point: Who do they see, and what do they do? The wonder of the sovereign King. Here we talked about loyalty. Um, so the question is: Do you think society has changed the definition of what loyalty means, or does it just um, does it just not matter much anymore? Yeah, I don't think they've changed the definition. I just don't think it matters anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're they're looking for the best price. They're yeah. looking for the best product. Yeah. They're looking for the best deal. And so that's why loyalty is waning today. And I think for the church, bringing it just back to the church of going, all right, so here's Herod. This is the king mm-hmm. of that region. He's the one who says, hey, when you find the child, come back and report to me. And so now they, before they have the dream, I'm probably in their mind. They're probably we we need to we need to go to Herod, but then they have this dream, and God warns them to not go to Herod. Yeah. And so now they have a, they have an option: do we do we obey the earthly king, or now do we obey this divine king? that has showed up to us in a dream and warned us not to do it. Mm. And I do believe that that's what we're facing today in in the U.S. when it comes to how the culture would pressure the church to to just set aside their beliefs mm. or to set aside your the, – the, and when I say radicalness of following Jesus, because again, I mean there, there is a radical element to following Jesus because – his salvation and his redemption and reconciliation, it's transforming every sphere of life. So when, like in the political realm, uh, well, you know, some politicians have said, don't bring your faith here in the political realm. Well, hang on. You bring your faith into the political realm because what you believe you're actually bringing to bear in all spheres of life. So why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't a Christian want to bring what they believe into the public square. Mm-hmm. Now again, in a common, you know, when you're trying to work for the common good in a pluralistic in a pluralistic society, a Christian is not going to sit there, you know, and say, "Let me tell you what the Bible says" and then expect everybody to believe what the Bible says. But 
but you're still going to interpret what the Bible says and find ways to bring about what the Bible says for the common good. I mean, so so again, we're not going to set aside Christian beliefs. You, you know, we're not going to set aside Christian beliefs of what the Bible says about marriage. We're not going to set aside Christian beliefs of what the Bible says about sexuality. We're not going to set aside Christian beliefs of what the Bible says about how to love uh, one another, how to love people far from Jesus. That's the reason why I truly believe that we can be loyal to King Jesus and love the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it is a it is a messy middle. And I think that's one of the things people are having a problem with today is because if you're going to navigate a messy middle, you are going to tick the polar opposites off. Yeah. And so, but Jesus, if Jesus can be loyal to the Father, hmm. who's all holy, all righteous, because he was the God man, if he can be loyal and bring glory to the Father while reaching a, a nasty, evil, wicked, sinful world, then his church can find a way to navigate that messiness as well. Mm. But but his love, I mean, think about it. This is why I love the you know the woman called in adultery. He was able to love her without shaming her, but bring about trans- the transformation of her. And so that that's what we have to be able to to, to find. You know, is that is the the navigation of the messy middle where we maintain our allegiance to King Jesus and we will not waver in our allegiance to him, but also in our allegiance to him that we will love a world that is far from him and we'll learn to navigate that messiness and that difficulty. That's great. So um so as we wrap up, I want us to end the way you ended the sermons. You talked about here's how you know you've met the sovereign king of the world. And you laid out these uh, three. You said these are fruit. Um, one is you posture yourself as a humble servant. You present gifts as a grateful servant. Might have got that one wrong. <laughs> you present yeah, as a grateful, yeah, because okay, you're, you're giving servant. gifts as a grateful. Because here's the thing you will never give if you're not grateful. Like you don't, again, we're talking about the whole idea of generosity. Great. Is that those who are generous have actually received gener- generosity? So yeah, so you got it right. Great. And then three is you practice loyalty as a faithful servant. Yeah, and you know I, I would add a thir- you know a fourth, and I really w- I wish I would have hit this one, um, but m- maybe you could say you pattern yourself as a sacrificial servant. Mm. Because so you pattern yourself as a sacrificial servant. The fact that they were willing to risk everything and to leave, they left their country. I mean, that's they 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 left their homeland and they traveled over eight hundred miles. And this brings back to memory Abraham. He was willing to leave his homeland and go to a another land. Mm-hmm. And what we see in Hebrews is the reason why he did it is because he longed for the city whose architect was God. Mm. And so so again, if you if you want to know whether or not you have surrendered to Jesus as savior and king, you will leave mm. and cleave. So you will you, you will pattern your life as a sacrificial servant because that takes sacrifice to be able to leave what you know, mm. to leave your religion, to to leave uh, you, you know you being in charge, all of that stuff. That's a, that is a pattern of a sacrificial servant, one who leaves. And so I so I add that fourth one. Great. You pattern yourself as a sacrificial servant. Wonderful. So um this has been this has been a great powerful series. Uh, you know, e- each week we have to be reminded during this busy season to slow down. 
you know, every day almost. <laughs> yeah. It's and, not and, too late. Slow down. You got to yeah. keep slowing down for the purpose of being set apart. And I think that's one of the – I mean I, I think that's one of the purposes of the corporate gathering. It's just one yeah. uh, of many. But yeah. one, of the, one of the purposes of the corporate gathering is to carve out time yep. – through you know, in, in your week, the first day of the week, Sunday is the first day of the week. You're carving out, or, or Saturday, Saturday evening. So it's the end of the week or the beginning of the week. But you're carving out that space to just reattune your heart to be reminded. And uh, so, so that's again one of the reasons for corporate worship and and simple Christmas. Like that's one of the things I love. We're 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 looking at all of the various ways that Christmas is simple. You've got to slow down. This season, so you don't mess up its reason. So you you got to slow down. So that's why you make, just make it a little bit more simple. Mm-hmm. But then in the complexities, you, you're going to have to speak truth that will simplify your complexities. And then just to remind yourself that Christmas time, when God broke into time and space mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus Christ, that is the simple sign. So Christmas is a simple sign that uh, he, he didn't break into time and space with all this hoopla. It was very, it was actually very simple. Simple events surrounding the birth. Of Jesus, so Christmas is a simple sign that points people to the world of wonder. And so, so again, you you do you want to kind of make sure that you're you're taking the appropriate time, uh, headspace, heart space, mm. to make sure that you are tapping into the world of wonder. And the world of wonder is King Jesus, who has ushered in the kingdom. It's the already but not yet kingdom. So we're seeing signs of the inbreaking of God's kingdom. So it's already here, mm. but it's not full yet but christmas is the is the simple sign that points people to that world of wonder and so northland family know that you are loved we are so grateful for you. We are grateful for what God is doing in our midst. And so we cannot wait to continue to unpack this series, Simple Christmas. We have one more weekend before our Christmas Eve gatherings where, man, I started outlining some of the stuff. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am stinking excited. And stinking is a Greek word. I'm just joking. Stinking is not a Greek <laughs> word. But I'm so excited for what God's going to do in all of our Christmas Eve gatherings. Well, Northland, blessings on you. See you this weekend. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.